Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. You're with Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are trending lower this morning following a mixed performance on Wall Street overnight. Sydney is down half a percent. Tokyo and Seoul are in the red as well. I'm Michelle Martin. Good Wednesday morning. It's hump day. Joining me now to break down all the market action. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Hey, Michelle. Happy hump day. And to you. It was a volatile session on Wall Street overnight as investors are in a quandary over inflation and the economy. Investors are looking for a safe haven. They're trying to figure out whether stocks have potentially priced in all the bad news yet or not. We're going to get to that in a moment. But first, we have several stories to explore to highlight important themes in the marketplace, both near term and long. The first such story this morning highlights the opening of borders and the resumption of air travel and involves our national carrier, Singapore Airlines. Now, back in October 2019, before the start of the pandemic, SIA inked an expansive deal with Malaysia Airlines to increase the number of code share flights and share revenue on flights between here and KL. Well, now, nearly three years later, the deal, which also includes Silk Air, Scoot and Firefly, has won conditional approval from Singapore regulators. So, Ryan, what sort of changes can we expect and how might this affect travel between here and Malaysia? Okay, so what this uh, does is for both sides to expand their code share routes and also take part in joint marketing activities to develop tourism on both sides. So effectively drum up business for both airlines by working together. And it also involves SIA's units, Silk Air and Scoot, and for Malaysian Airlines' sister airline, Firefly. So you can imagine the synergies that might come into play if you can take a plane from SIA from Singapore to Malaysia and then piggyback on a Firefly plane to another part of Malaysia. So that could be the picture and that could be something that could help really both airlines recover after so many tough years of COVID-19 restrictions just hammering uh, their revenue. So something to help boost the bottom line and something to help drive up sales is going to be helpful in any case. Do you think it's going to send fares up or down? Okay, so typically this, I would imagine, if you have economies of scale you have more people flying, it could help to stabilize prices and bring them down. So that, I imagine, would be something they would try to do to remain competitive because they are not the only airlines operating in this space. So I imagine it won't be a huge impact in terms of um, prices. It will still be subject to market competition. But I think what might happen is you might see uh, more routes being available, um, being able to just give more convenience to travellers. So that could be part of the uh, equation. And also both sides aligning their corporate programs, giving companies the option to just streamline corporate travel, tie up their frequent flyer programs, all that just to make things more convenient could make them the more attractive and competitive option regardless of the pricing. Now, shares of Singapore Airlines are down 6% this past week and are flat over the past year. How might this deal with Malaysia Airlines, do you think, affect its business, Singapore Airlines? Well, it could help in the sense that we've been seeing a lot of, um, I guess, a bit of hesitation in terms of travel, right? People still not getting fully behind 
getting on a plane, traveling somewhere where they're not sure if things are back to normal yet. So if you have these joint marketing activities, some way for people to just get the incentive to motivate them to explore new areas, new markets, new routes, uh, that's going to be doing some way to help drive up the momentum in the recovery. All right, shares of SIA fell 1.7% yesterday at the close before the announcement. Next up this morning, let's turn to a very different type of travel by road and more specifically by electric car. Now, we talked this week about how China's EV maker NIO will be listing shares on the Singapore exchange and how Ford has sold off part of its stake in Rivian. No matter what the EV story, though, Tesla is always lurking in the background. It seems to have a very large head start compared to the other players. And today we have two stories from two big names that are looking to erase Tesla's lead. Now, the first is BMW. So, Ryan, what is the German car maker's plans? It's all around making things cheaper. So it's around its battery technology. So for a long time, many car makers have been using what's called uh, prismatic batteries. Now we are starting to see a trend of them moving to round ones, uh, round cells for their batteries. So this apparently will help cut the prices of those batteries by nearly 30%. So that's something they are trying to do and will be uh, incorporated into their new EVs come 2025. And this also against the backdrop of rising raw material costs. So that has been an additional incentive for them to try out new technologies and help protect their margins. Analysts say the energy density of BMW's new cells will be significantly higher than those of Tesla batteries, which could give the BMW cars a longer driving range. BMW shares are down 13% over the past three months. Now, another company looking to break into this space is not making cars yet at all. But then again, about 15 years ago, neither was Tesla. So the company in question is Apple. So we've talked on this show, Ryan, about riding in a proposed iCar and what you and I both think. Well, we have news today that Apple is redoubling its efforts in the sector. More specifically, it is poaching talent from other players. Tell us more. Yeah, one day, Michelle, you could drive your phone. Imagine that. (laughs) So the iCar could be a closer to reality in terms of what we are seeing in terms of developments. So we have in recent um, weeks more talk about how this is just gaining ground with the addition of a 31-year Ford Motor veteran. So he has just joined the iPhone Maker's car team. Uh, He's Desi Yukashevik and he's the highest profile move to Apple to the car division. So this is seen as a big sign that Apple is really taking its car plans quite seriously. And you also have to bear in mind, they have been going through a very choppy few years trying to get the car plans off the ground. A lot of people have joined, a lot of people have left, high-profile names as well. Finally, it seems like there is some momentum going on And it does still have its work cut out for it because making a car is quite complex. But if it can pull it off, the potential synergies and how it can sync with the Apple ecosystem is going to be a game changer for the EV space. 
Yeah, when it comes to talent, the project's really been in flux for about a year because of several executive departures. So understandable why it's poaching talent from other players. So we've looked at air travel, we've looked at road travel, and a key component of modern cars are semiconductors. Car makers and phone makers have been struggling to deal with chip shortages. Well, we have another sign this morning that chip demand is still running strong. I'm talking about the earnings of a major chip maker, Global Foundries. What have we learned? Mm, So it has reported earnings that have beat expectations. I guess not a surprise. If you look at the first quarter revenue, it jumped 37% to $1.9 billion. And the company had profit of 42 cents a share. That is well above the projection of 24 cents a share. So that is just showing how Global Foundries and many other semiconductor names have been doing well. And if you look at the outlook coming through from not just Global Foundries, but many other chip makers as well, they have been talking about how there are rising um, number of new users for semiconductors, more applications for them. So the demand is expected to just continue and be sustained and fuel the growth for these companies. I want to shift to a more financial theme, one that we've seen play out a lot over the past couple of years, and that is corporate share buybacks. Companies have been deploying earnings to buy their own shares that in turn often pushes up their share prices. So Ryan, who's the latest name, big name to try this? Okay, so it's Sony. So they have announced a $1.5 billion share buyback, and this is Alongside their earnings, they have just announced and overall rather solid. Um, It was up largely due to its sales of PlayStation 5 consoles and games, up 175%. That's the operating profit in the March quarter. They sold 11.5 million units of PS5 and that's up from 7.8 million in the previous year. So, off the back of a solid quarter, they have decided you know, it's time to spend the money on share buybacks. Sony shares are down 35% this year. So do you think the share buyback is going to give the shares a boost? It theoretically could give the share prices a boost. And it might be important because looking forward, they are projecting that things might slow down. So PlayStation 5 sales could plateau because of supply chain issues, pretty much echoing what Nintendo is warning. Uh, Nintendo itself is calling a 9% decline in sales of its Switch console because it can't find the parts it needs for the console. And Sony itself also pretty much echoing those sentiments, uh, something they are warning complications from the supply chains will result in just a tough time getting enough to sell. So they have cut back on their sales targets um, to around 11.5 million as well. And this is something cut back from around roughly um, 14.8 million this year and 22.6 million next year. So they are just expecting to sell 18 million units this year. A bit of a um, lowered expectations. Mm. And also worth noting is how the Japanese yen is going to play out for these Japanese gaming companies. So you might imagine when you have a weak yen, your earnings might be amplified because you're taking in US dollars. But the catch here is a lot of production costs are in foreign currency. So it's offset to a large extent for Sony. So they are not 
expecting a huge lift from the weaker yen. All right, let's zoom out now and take a look at overall markets. After a volatile session, Nasdaq finished up 1%. The S&P 500 finished higher as well. But the Dow Jones Industrial Average finished in the red. So what is the basic narrative here, Ryan? Would you describe this as a lack of consensus about whether a bottom to the recent falls has quite been reached or is this perhaps just a holding pattern? Yeah, those are great ways to frame it, right? I think it's a bit of a wait and see as markets struggle for direction. And looking ahead to today, you have a few data points to watch out for and it's all around inflation, data out from China and the US, which will give an indication of where prices are going, where inflation is heading and where the Fed will be in terms of aggressiveness for their policies. So that's just leaving markets just figure, trying to figure out where it needs to be right now. And overnight, it was mixed. You had the Dow lower by 0.3%. On the flip side, you had the S&P 500 higher by 0.3%. And then the tech names bouncing back slightly with the Nasdaq Composite outperforming, gaining 1%. And that is a picture of how things have been seesawing in the past few days. Mm -hmm. And maybe after we get the inflation numbers out later today, um, which... Markets are bracing for a reading of nearly 8% or higher. Uh, if we get a higher than expected number, it just could lead to expectations of a more aggressive policy and that could lead to another round of um, jitters. Several high-profile investors have been hit hard by recent losses in this volatile market. Among the names making this unfortunate list are ARK Innovations, Kathy Wood and SoftBank's Masayoshi Sun. How hard have Wood and Sun been hit? Okay, Kathy Wood is having a tough time because um, she is a fund manager and a fund manager makes money on two sides. One is having assets under management, so they take a fraction or commission from the AUM. The other side is what they make from the performance. So sometimes, um, or most times, these are aligned. You know? Having AUM money coming in, your performance also goes up, then you take money from both sides. But sometimes um, there is a tough balance where they have to try to grow the AUM, but at the same time, the performance of the overall holdings is not going well. So for Kathy Wood, she has been having a hard time trying to balance the um, books on that front. And also, if you look at tech names, they have been slumping by quite a bit in the past week. Uh, the big names, the familiar ones that she's been holding on in her portfolio have been taking quite a hard hit and she will have a very uh, tough time facing her shareholders or investors. And for SoftBank, mm. Bin and Masayoshi-san is set to, um, to set to, for another record, but not a good kind. And this is with his tech fund estimated to have lost around $18.6 billion in the quarter ended much alone. $18.6 billion. And that's going to be a record much more than the $18.3 billion in the fiscal second quarter. So something that is just reflective of all the pressure on tech names these days. ARK's total return since the first day of trade has dropped below S&P 500. So the market-beating return of the fund called into question now. Time for a game of up or down. We just have three entries today to get through in case you're playing along with us, which I love to hear about, by the way. Keep those emails 
coming through. Uh, first up, stocks in the Philippines, up or down? Hmm, I would go with down. So um, it looks like um, we had the election results pretty much going to the script. Uh, according to the reports, Ferdinand Marcos Jr. has won by a huge margin. Uh, but most market watchers are not expecting a huge reaction, at least yet, because it was going to the script, pretty much priced in. So that's one to watch in the road down long term because the big move will be when he announces his economic team and all his policies. So until then, not much of an up. Investors are worried about the impact of Marcos's win at the polls. It's a down for me. JP Morgan has dropped the Philippines to the bottom of its ASEAN investment list. Next up, let's look at Elon Musk. Mm, Elon Musk is going to be an up for me. So he's in the headlines for saying he will lift the Twitter ban on Donald Trump. So I guess putting his money where his mouth is about free speech and allowing everyone to have a voice. So looks like he is sticking to his promises. I'm going to go with a down on the back of that news, lifting the permanent Twitter ban on former US President Donald Trump. And finally, US tariffs on China. Mm, That is going to be down because they might be going down. This is with the address by Joe Biden in Washington to the public talking about bringing down the cost of living. So his idea that he's putting on the table that he is reviewing that he might be reversing or unwinding some of those tariffs that Donald Trump slapped on China. And of course, all these taxes on things made in China coming through from diapers, clothing, furniture has been just an additional cost for businesses which will be passed on sometime down the road to consumers. If he could remove it, theoretically, that could bring down the inflationary pressures. Another downer. Though this could be good news for U.S. consumers, U.S. President Joe Biden saying he is considering lifting Trump-era tariffs on China in order to fight those rising prices in the U.S. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 21 minutes into the local trading day. Singapore was one of the worst performing markets in the region yesterday, although we still perform better than Hong Kong. The Straits Times Index fell one and a quarter percent to 32.34. The SDI has now given back once again most of its gains from earlier in the year. It is currently up three and a half percent since January. So what does it look like this morning, Ryan? Are Singapore stocks rallying or are they falling further? Okay, so... We are building off a five-day losing streak. And if it stays this way, it will be number six. We are now lower by 0.4% at 3,221. And looking at what we have on the STI table, it's pretty much slightly more red than green right now. At the bottom, we've got Maple Tree Commercial Trust down by over 2% to $1.79. DBS down 1.5% at 31.96 and this is with DBS trading X dividend today and it's followed by SC Engineering, Johnny Matheson Holdings and SGX at the top of the table. Uh, we have Dairy Farm and that's up by 1.5%. Hong Kong Land is in the green by 1.2% and Yangju Junction bidding up by 1.1%. All right, one more note before we go, Ryan. How much would you pay to have Thor's hammer in your hand? Or maybe Samuel L. Jackson's, uh, the wall that he used in the Mm. movie Pulp Fiction? I don't have a lot, so I would go with $10. (laughs) Because a treasure trove of movie memorabilia is up for sale at a Hollywood auction 
next month. If you have a bigger budget, maybe you want to take a look at Andy Warhol's Marilyn Monroe paintings because Shot Sage Blue Marilyn, the painting is just sold for 195 million US dollars. And that is the most ever for a work by a US artist. Mm, so if you've got the right piece of art, you can fetch a right price. <laughs> if you have 195 million, Ryan, I think you'll be in the running. Dead silence. This is called dead air, by the way. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ryan Wong. There, I'm Michelle Martin. This has been Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.